Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the cowboy bebop of extreme metal podcasts. I am the death metal guy, aka gave up drinking for Lent, but the Pope didn't say shit about bath salts. <laughs> and I am the black metal guy, aka walking down a desolate city block in 15 degree Fahrenheit weather and high wind, the nearest pedestrian 50 feet away, wearing three masks. <laughs> is is that really is what it's like where you're at isn't it yes it is uh yeah we 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 abide by the guidance of the cdc and the who by our lord fauci our lord and say <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> don't <I> mean, <laughs> and don't get it twisted we, youtube <laughs> i thought we knew better than to trust italians but i guess not <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Right. Yeah, no. It's a. It's always interesting hearing your stories from uh, your neck of the woods about how much more seriously people take that shit than us. Because you've said that it's like people give you a dirty look if you're like alone in your car without a mask on. That, right? That's. It's not that bad where I am, but I have a friend who lives in a culturally similar place on the other side of the country where it is exactly like that. Yes, literally. He. That's what he told me. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. We still have shows like every weekend down here. Nobody fucking cares. We're done. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's why you are among the cursed and damned. <laughs> Apparently. Good, so. good thing it's a metal podcast. Exactly. So, uh, not a lot going on in uh, news this week. So, we're just going to like jump right into, uh, oh, well, shit. Before I jump into it, because I forgot this last time. Yes. Uh, for anyone who's just started listening, it looks like we've gotten kind of a, a bump of new subscribers and shit over the past couple episodes, and a welcome to all of you. And for those of you who smashed that like and subscribe button, that's a great start. But what we're also going to need you to do is follow us on social media. You can follow me, the Death Metal Guy, on Facebook, at Terminus Podcast, or you can follow the Black Metal Guy on Instagram, at Terminus Extreme Metal. And then additionally... To win the Victory Royale in Fortnite, the guys in Terminus need your help. We need your credit card number, <laughs> three digits on the back. Yeah, um, yeah. if you like what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon or Subscribestar. We will probably end up decommissioning the Subscribestar because no one's ever actually subscribed to us on that. <laughs> but as soon as we decommission it, someone's going to be like, I hate big tech, but I want to support you. How can I do it? Well, oh, I just, thought I also thought Subscribestar was charging us, and it turns out they're not. Oh, okay, then fuck it. So yeah, then we're good. Yeah. For any yeah. proton mail weirdos that want to do it like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, three bucks and up gives you access to our Terminus Prime bonus episodes. Uh, we just cut a new one this past week, and that should be going up shortly. And five bucks and up gets you access to, of course, uh, the lower tiers, as well as access to the Terminus Black Circle, our Discord server, where uh, I post cool new tattoo photos and we argue about the merits of Impaled Nazarene. Hmm. Well, there's not much. What argument? Just what ar argument is there to be had? Yeah. I don't know. Too many songs about goats. I don't, know. I, I don't believe that. Never enough no. songs about goats. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, like, if anyone can write mostly songs about goats, it's, it's the goat daddies themselves. <laughs> so. Oh, man. All right, so like I was saying, not a lot going on in news, so we're just going to go with our uh, 
a rundown of records for today, and uh, I don't know, we've got like a a weird theme of, like, for most of these records, it's like mostly the back half of the records where it really picks up speed. I don't know. That it's does seem to, actually, that seems to be true about basically all of them. Yeah, except for like the very first one. Or wait, one. no, I, I like the beginning. Yeah, I personally, I prefer the beginning of the first one, but three of them are like that. Let's see, other common threads. Um, uh, We've got some things with some various kinds of connections to punk, more distant and more direct, or I suppose to hardcore, different from punk. Um, uh, and we got some stuff with glistening, spooky arpeggios. Um, <laughs> you can't uh, escape them. <laughs> can't. No, here they are. Um, they're here to glisten. Um, and uh, I guess, yeah, I should just start off. So uh, I think uh, in an uncharacteristic move, I've brought two things that are um, sort of relatively polished, uh, loosely orthodox derived uh, modern black metal. Um the first off, we've got uh, Spire's Temple of Kronos. It's out now on Sentient Ruin Laboratories. Spire is a first-rate band from Australia that takes their time between releases. It's, it's been five years. Uh, they have... Their last record, Entropy, was this fantastic, deeply involved art Black Death thing. New one's a bit of a, a sidestep in a really cool way. Stoked to talk about that. Next one, uh, Carcinoma's Labiscation out on Rat King Records. Uh, we know about this one because the Rat King dudes are super cool and have supported the show uh, for a while. Uh, so shout out to Sam and Gao. Um, and this is a... Uh, it's sort of like very heavy. How would you describe this? Is sort of like very heavy, sort of orthodoxy black death. I guess we'll talk about it more, but yeah, because I think I think that's going to be one of the interesting points of conversation <laughs> is how you describe it. Because I think this points to a uh, sort of a, a new micro niche that's starting yeah. to establish itself. That we maybe covered, it's like yeah, we've covered a few records that are kind of touching on similar points. So I think it's interesting. Maybe it's like brutal disso black for people who can throw a punch. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> All right. All right. Next. So uh, my side, uh, we have Qualen with uh, Uno Dan Sinut on uh, Time to Kill Records. This is a Finnish black metal band kind of laced with a little bit of punk touch. I've got a vibe that these guys are probably from the punk scene originally uh you know a little bit of uh old school second wave a lot of finnish kind of traditional finnish black metal as well as some punk so good mixture there and uh wrapping it up we have the new record by ancient spheres called prayers of the black flame uh this is an independent release i think that they have a label uh looking to put out maybe a cassette by them, but I'm not 100%. It's hard to tell. Um, Ancient Spheres are a Costa Rican black metal duo who uh, I was totally unfamiliar with. I uh, just kind of found it spur of the moment. And uh, it's a very interesting take on second wave worship with uh, a lot of new interesting ideas as well. 
All right, so uh, we are opening with Spire, um, uh, Temple of Kronos, and you're the guy who's familiar with this band, so uh, give me the rundown. This is the first one I've heard from them. Yeah, honestly, I've been kind of hoping they would put something out soon so we could terminate it. Um, but uh, they are Spires from Australia, um, and they're a band whose mystique consists in having no mystique. Right? They're just... They're two dudes. They live in Brisbane. Uh, they're very anonymous, as far as I know, and they just they take their time working on records. Uh, so this is it's been five years since Entropy, which came out in late 2016. They did maybe like a split right before that, and then a few demos like long before that. Um, originally, they were associated with portal because they were this kind of arty uh sort of bio science horror kind of band um but it's never sounded that much like portal to me um and what it is it's sort of like very it, they use the basic guitar technique that you'd get in orthodox and related branches of french bm the stuff that's kind of strongly influenced by post-hardcore and screamo. Mm -hmm. And if anything, you know, the, the best example of this music being Aosoth, right? Um, or like, uh, yeah, or like we played Celeste on the show a while back. Um, and uh, they sort of take this guitar technique of sort of like glistening, eerie, arpeggiated stuff that's often used just to create texture or brutal skronk riffs or sort of dissonant melodies and they use it to bring out its sort of like lush and melodic potential in a way that made them back in the day sound a lot more like a band like a screamo band like buried inside or something uh, like a heavy hardcore screamo band um and uh yeah so it's, it's there's and and they instead of focusing so much on chording per se they use these arpeggios to make these very disciplined, carefully structured melodies, and they made really good use of silence on that record. Um, there were interludes that had things to listen to. Um, there was a track that was like seven minutes of drone. I just looked back at the record today. It's like seven minutes of drone and the guitar tone is so beautiful. It's like one of the coolest parts of the record. Hmm. Um, so a band that does things that I don't know things that for other bands are like pretentious toss-off gestures this band puts effort into doing does that make sense yeah, um they're they're invested in the they're invested in the the parts that other people use to just gesture that they're smart yes exactly a lot of the things that ruin orthodox black metal are things that this band is using consciously to make cool songs yeah or like just the whole idea of going quiet in the middle of a song right Usually that signals, shit, we don't know where to go right now. Okay, do a spooky arpeggio, you know, <laughs> um, right? But this band does it all in a very deliberate sort of way. Um, and also understands brute heaviness. So uh, we could go to your, why don't we get your overall comments? And then I'll play us a sample from Entropy just to get people's, uh, give people an idea. Well, I think... Uh you see, I'm actually, I want to reserve it. I want to hear your sample first off this first track because I'm very curious as to uh, 
how this compares to the first record, because just from what you're describing, this seems like a really significant departure in a lot of ways. I think my, yeah, it is. I would say the basic vocabulary, the basic musical vocabulary of like guitar technique or sort of melodic ideas is basically the same. And nevertheless, it's an extraordinary, it's very big departure. I think you're right. But let's listen to this. Uh, so this is Labyrinthine. This is the second track off Entropy. Uh, this is really cool. I mean, that's that's really cool. And uh, honestly, it's not that far off of how this record sounds. Uh, I think that I think that I just have a really different read on this music in general. Like the way I process it seems really different from how a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. Well, so what what do you mean by that? then? Well, for instance, just looking on the band camp, one guy left a review of this record, uh, Entropy, and he's like, monolithic, riddled with death and lurking deep within the abyss. Spire's Entropy is a soul-annihilating album that ought to be in any black metal fan's collection. And, uh, well, I'm glad you like it, dude, but I listen to that and I'm like, this doesn't even seem particularly, like, dark to me. I mean, I think it's kind of wistful and kind of curious, but it's not, like, aggressive music really in a traditional way it's not really trying to be dark in a traditional sense uh, i don't think it's, well it's definitely not those things and almost always when people comment things like that on records they're wrong because most metal simply isn't about those things um you know sort of trendy nihilism right and yeah. identifying metal with that makes it easier for 
people from outside to appreciate because they can take the whole fact that the metal is completely alien to them and make that make that a virtue right they're like wow this shit is really weird and, and heavy wow it's just totally soul crushing and bleak and nihilistic um yeah yeah i mean i hear it I hear this record, I hear this band as cultivating a lot of intensity in a kind of understated way. I think it's brooding and, I would describe it as brooding and apocalyptic. It's pretty ominous, but um, you're supposed to think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, um, it's not... Like, I don't feel oppressed by it, right? It's it's like, it's, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, and like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess the most salient thing to say at the mm-hmm. top is just... The way I this scans to me is like a really interesting, more extreme than usual prog record. Like the the musical reference points that I kept coming back to for this really weren't generally from extreme metal, with a, a couple you know small exceptions. I mean, mostly I feel like the heart of this music is in. Um, you know, a, a lot of like genuine seventies and eighties prog music. I think that they've just folded in the musical vocabulary of extreme metal. Um, I think at one point in the notes you said that you know, occasionally this can get a little too rock opera for you, but I think that's what I maybe like yeah, so much yeah. about this. I think it literally is a rock opera. First of all, so I mean, I think like entry. The difference between entropy and this is like. The entropy songs are all structured like black black metal or death metal songs. They have uh, continuums of riff. The riffs change. The way in which, it, which it's catchy is you just heard. It's like, oh, there's a dropout. And then they do the black metal thing of pulling out a real stonker two-thirds of the way through the song, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, The vocals are mostly on the more brutal side. There was that kind of like, eh, kind of sort of gothy exhale vocal there but like that's kind of par for the course in this sort of black metal like i didn't i i I couldn't even remember that there were vocals like that on entropy is what i mean um (laughs) there there aren't parts there it never feels like you definitely get the sense that it's in touch with things outside black metal and yeah sure probably influenced by Prague back then too absolutely that makes sense um that's just uh but like it operated on the whole i think on a more kind of extreme metal wavelength structurally there weren't these sort of like big there weren't like these dramatic peak dramatic moments in it like big big hook passages big sort of weird things that happen which are the memorable center of the song whereas this record is full of them yeah no this is structured (laughs) Uh, this is structured in a much more kind of art or prog rock way, rather. Than I think that's right. Metal way. Yeah, I think that's well, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's go uh, with uh, one of your samples to uh, get an idea how this one sounds in comparison. Yeah, so let's just go with the beginning. I mean, so this is um, there's an intro to the album which is like a clock ticking because the focus is on Kronos, time, right? Um, the great tyrant of the universe. So this is him, one tyrant comes right after the intro. Uh, maybe a minute into it uh and you will hear how it's like entropy and you will hear how it's different
in its wake. <laughs> I like the question mark. Oh, God, that's sick. Yeah, no. So well, the thing that they, he said before, Dragon Reality in its wake, was like, the spearhead. Sally forth. <laughs> so cool. Um, so that's so prog. That's such a prog thing to do. <laughs> no, you're totally right. I mean, when I when I turned it on, so like I turned on the record record last night to listen to it, and as soon as you know, like it just opens up with the same kind of you know eerie chording from Entropy, but like over what's basically a beatdown rhythm, and then those chugs come in. And then I just instantly turned it way up, right? Yeah. And there are those sort of big, the vocals are now where they were kind of more textural before. They're now front and center. They are, have a melodic quality, but they're not really like clean vocal singing, which is cool. Mm. Yeah, no, they they like to do this kind of strained, uh, like half clean thing. Which is usually the right way to do clean vocals in metal. And and thinking about ways to make it like uh, more than just a pro forma thing. Again, again, taking things that usually are annoying in this context and putting effort into it. So it's like, hey, this is a this is a kind of blackish, deathish, extreme metal kind of metal. So let's make the vocals sound really weird. Uh, oh, yeah, and I, I mean, I one of my big arguments is that I think this is actually a a vocal driven album primarily more than a riff driven one. Agreed. Yes, yes, and I think like as soon as I heard this, right? Yes, it's like these are written. Th- the riffs are written with the vocals, and uh, I think we both feel that this is like this feels more like using modern extreme metal to make a version of the kind of heavy alternative metal that we grew up with, right? Like yeah, specifically yeah. specifically tool. Oh yeah, no, I think that I think there's like the the fingerprints of like lateralis era tool all over this record. Mm-hmm. And as as a quick aside, uh, because I'll bring this up again, can we collectively stop pretending that like Tool's a bad band or like a lame band? They're they're a good band. With a lot even of good to- records. <laughs> even Tools, yeah, like 10,000 Days had six songs on it. It's, yeah, I I don't get it, man. Tools good. I like, I grew uh, up, like, driving, I grew up driving a parent's car that didn't have a CD player in it. Um, and, you know, I didn't really have, like, an MP3 attachment or whatever. Uh, so I was always just listening to the radio. I'm like, if you could catch some, if you could catch, like, within the first minute of schism or whatever that was a good time no exactly it's like i mean what were we gonna do whine about the fact that it was on the radio it was better than anything on rock radio for years and years (laughs) Uh, and they've they've tool has toured with neurosis um their roots are very clearly in things that we consider that everyone considers legitimate like they sound like the killing joke they sound like fields of the nephilim they sound in a lot of ways they're like a big really heavy goth band but that branding wouldn't have worked in the 90s yeah exactly <laughs> but anyway <laughs> enough with tool but no i mean i think i think the parallel is important though because this is in the same way the tool has an ear for how do we weave a sort of hook laden pop catchiness into these super involved prog rock songs kind of a similar things happening here and i think it's because 
this music is so vocal driven. Uh, even if they're not necessarily melodic hooks, although a lot of the time they are, there's big vocal hooks in either a yeah. rock or like a, a metalcore tradition that really provides the guiding voice for this music, uh, which I think is really interesting because uh, it's so rare to, you know, outside of, I don't know, power metal or something, find something truly vocal driven in extreme metal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it requires a break with basic songwriting method, which is often write the riffs and then let the vocalist take something from his journal and figure out generally how to figure fit, fit them over. Right? Yeah, exactly. It, it requires it requires like firing on all cylinders intentionally. That's not to say that like writing rock music is harder than extreme metal. I'm just saying that like there is so much once a style calcifies there's so much sort of phoned in stuff or there are so many like solid to great bands that are really focused on just say mostly the riffs right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's it's not that it's harder or easier it's a it's a fundamentally different structural idea of what you're building songs around yeah and like if they were writing conservative boring rock songs that would make it bad but they're writing the kind of rockish metal that is hard to write mm -hmm. yeah so i mean uh what do we want to go to now should we oh i guess let's just go through it in order yeah yeah it makes sense yeah so next i mean here's this is from him Two tormentor again i think they are referring to father time as this um here you'll hear again um here you'll hear them using silence or relative silence one of these openings in the music in a way that's pretty similar to what they did on entropy uh here they're sort of they're they're in one of their kind of void moments and they're coming out of it and then we're going to get some really great voice stuff that will uh throw you for a loop in a good way
Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's a ton of fun. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what I was just texting you in the chat, like, right? They use these things, these moments that, you know, like black metal or death metal people might consider sort of tasteless alt rock moments. They use them in this impeccably tasteful way. And you've got that. I mean, you know, like the, the way that that like, yeah, so let's just talk about that. That's like, you know, it's like this shamanic explosion of vocal frenzy, right? Yeah, this kind of uh, like gibbering, raving stuff. Which is awesome and is like a kind of what it takes to get there is just a kind of imagination and a kind of willingness to put yourself out there. Mm hmm. You get beyond doing vocals, this sort of thing where you have a particular sound and you perform this flat continuum of it and you start singing in some way, even if it doesn't sound anything like singing. Uh, you well, kind of that... are try you're tr like trying to rediscover the music in the way that like people like in the early days of this music would just go for it and do shit that would sound absurd to conventional ideas of coolness but that was the whole point yeah well i think that's kind of a microcosm of this album as a whole is mm -hmm. that it's not it really isn't a a flat continuum of sound there's there's certain yes. musical mm -hmm. vocabulary that they like to use that form a, a kind of foundation but from the beginning of the album to the end it never feels like any possibility is off the table it feels this this is a record that feels like a very self-contained kind of unit it doesn't feel like a record where it's like oh this defines this band's sound oh the next spire record will be an elaboration of this it feels very kind of insular if you know what i mean it feels like oh this is this is this whole arc this is this whole process everything is individuated to it and this doesn't necessarily mean anything for the band outside of it, you know? I, I get what you mean, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of consistent with the move they made to this record, right? It's just like, okay, we established this sound that works more within these genre conventions. I mean, they were already taking these kinds of quote-unquote avant-garde techniques and making them more musical. But like mm -hmm. here, it's like, let's take those techniques and use them to write fully fleshed out songs yeah it doesn't at all the only thing they'll carry with them to the next record is their mastery of those techniques and whatever they've picked up here right um, yeah yeah it, well, which it's, is not to say which is not to say this record feels schizophrenic it's got a very continuous and contiguous style about it but yeah it doesn't feel lashed to that it all it feels like it was all an organic outgrowth of like what the songs needed and this is a record like if you were a teenager you could listen to again and again as a complete experience right oh yeah no this is definitely one to listen to all the way through and it's definitely one that i i, I like it's got like broad applicability like this could be like commute music for me as well as hard listening music it's kind of interesting in that way Oh, for sure. It. I mean, it, like that's what I felt when I sort of first heard it, and then turned up the, turned up the volume. I was like, "Shit, man, this rocks!" Like, bang your head. Um, you know, yeah. So, and just about that sample specifically. Like, if you tried to think of what those vocals sound like, right? Well, within black or death metal, you'd have to think of like, I don't know, Pest or Gall doing some of their weirder shit, right? Um, maybe, maybe Gall and. Yeah. Prescriptor, Gall and Treldom, Prescriptor, uh, 
yeah, uh, passed on under the sign. Um, a few other dudes who do this kind of like, uh, I am a strange man possessed by spirits thing. Mm-hmm. But if you go outside that, that just sounds like System of a Down. Yes, it, it really does. It <laughs> like, does really, like, the, like something off the very first like self-titled record. Yeah, yeah. And like System of a Down was, I think we've said this before on this show, but like, you know, maybe aside from some of the awkward dead Kennedys-isms, like they were by far the most metal new metal band. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, even know if it's fair. I I don't even know if it's fair to call them new metal because they were. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, because they were coming from, they were coming from a background of extreme metal, and that makes sense. Music, yeah. I I mean, I mean, that's the dirty secret of new metal is that most of them. <laughs> seriously listen to death and black metal they just decided to do something different we still can't bear the fucking idea that anyone would choose to do that but anyway <laughs> um but yeah system of a down like tool another band where it's like yeah no we can all agree that's a that's a great band and more people should be accessing those really dynamic ideas you know what was that song like um uh something they have like a system of a down has a shaman dance kind of song on toxicity uh deer dance yeah yeah deer dance like like deer dance is pretty black metal you know um it's a but um what oh i was gonna say uh off the first record no that's always been my track which is like Mm -hmm. uh that's better than anything fucking orphaned land put out for doing like a like a, a a middle eastern kind of metallic song it's like oh it's fucking mm-hmm. outstanding <laughs> yeah um, oh one last thing about that sample was just and i assume everyone heard this was just when you've got that big hook moment with the charismatic weird vocals and then just when you think like is this going to be a rock song you just get that six eight strut and the death growl and it's like oh <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, well, no. it's very, uh, it's very behemoth, which is something mm. that these guys touch on a lot. Like the, the newer, like artier behemoth stuff seems to be a big reference point to this. Although I think these guys do it a lot better. This record seems more, yeah. I think that's another thing that's on this record more than on Spire is like the uh, behemoth moment, like the moments, like okay, here comes your sort of like beefy stadium death metal riff, and it's like mm-hmm. sick, right? Yeah, I can uh-huh. take some of that. Yeah. So. uh all right, so uh, Hymn 3, Harbinger. Um, so what you're going to hear is a a very, if you read it a certain way, it's a very traditional sort of orthodox black metal part. Mm-hmm. But I've got a very different read on the whole thing that I'll get into. So uh, let's just try out like the ending couple minutes of that song and talk about how nice. it makes us feel. <laughs> I love feelings.
Yeah, so I I think what I find most fascinating about this record is it, it does give me a certain a certain feeling or a certain frame of mind when I listen to it that I don't know if I can really apply to any other record, uh, which is in that, like, in this in this section here, you can hear basically these orthodox black metal techniques. We have the spooky orthodox arpeggiated riff. But yes. the, the vocal performance isn't operating in the same way that it would on a black metal record per se. It's more... It's more like a, a narrating voice from outside the music, or it's, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's extremely theatrical. And I think that's where everything clicked together for me was listening to this record. A lot of extreme metal records, especially atmospheric ones, want to immerse you. you they want you to feel like you're there. This record is more like watching a play unfold on stage. Death metal guy, that's smart and cool. Continue. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if how smart it is. That's just my personal read on it. It's like because it's like the the dark moments on this record are not dark in the same way that they are on a, a regular black or death metal record, which tends to be you know it's immediately threatening. It's no, immediate. and it's it's not it's not even dark in the way entropy is. Yeah, yeah no. This, yeah. I, you see, I like this whole record doesn't really. S- scan is dark to me at all it's like it's it's serious yeah I maybe mean, in you, the in the generic sense that it has minor scales and is concerned with like time crushing all before it sure but like yeah no i find this record like f- fun yeah it's very fun in the same way that watching a very serious play unfold is fun it's like you, you empathize with the emotions on the stage but you're still in the audience you know and that's something really cool about this record. I never thought about listening to a metal record from that sort of frame. But when you do it like that, this becomes really fascinating. You get to just kind of like watch it unfold and experience it in a very whole way versus trying to dig out riffs, trying to dig out certain musical ideas. All those things are great, but the emphasis here really is on relaxing letting things progress and unfold in front of you. And I think that's very neat. Okay, and now read us the really sick thing you had in the notes. <laughs> it is it is pretty good. So I said basically that, you know, with the way the vocals play around, this doesn't sound like orthodox black metal. It sounds like the spookiest part of a prog record. And the story I came up with is... The robo-wizard has to go into the cyber cave to consult the android spider queen, and it's scary, but things are going to be okay, because in the end, she's a reasonable spider lady. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, how I felt. It's like, oh, no, okay, this it, is like, it's like a dark part of a rush record, you know? Yeah, you honestly, like, when you, with those images you came up with, I, almost, I, I honestly thought kind of of, like, Metropolis-era silent film, right? Although... Definitely. Although, I guess the cover of the record signals that, too. That was probably sort of subliminally in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, you could Metropolis-era silent film or, like, you know, that sort of 70s, 70s punk sci-fi kind of thing, right? Yeah, um, it's it's got a really cool, interesting vibe to it. I That is one thing that I picked up on is, like, I, I pick up on a real, like, sci-fi thing here. 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like a, maybe like a like a sword and planets like fantasy sci-fi fusion. Yes, which is yeah, very, which those are the best. Those, are the best. yeah, that's very cool, and that should there should be more of that in metal. Completely um, agreed. Yes, um, accelerate <laughs> so, to forty k. Yes, accelerate to forty k, please. All right, so uh, last one. Um, him for, and I've never said this word in real life, so you'll have to correct me. Puissant. Puissant, yeah, pretty much. Is that how there's that? I, yeah, there. Puissant. Yeah. I've never heard anyone actually say it in the real world. I've just read it. Um, there's you pretty much said it as an American. I think you said it. Um, there's okay. a um, like also like Americans overpronouncing foreign words is annoying, right? It's a yeah. You know when um, like when someone's ordering off the menu and they're like, you know, there's something in the Mexican restaurant. They just overpronounce the Spanish and like if you're the if you're the waiter, you got to be like rolling your eyes, like oh Jesus. Uh, the chimichanga. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I hear it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so here uh, I brought this one up. This kind of ties up our theory about kind of the, some of the the weird influences that are just more popular bands um like there's a lot of tool in this section there's a lot of behemoth in this section and i think that all this just points to a band who are open to ideas but more than anything in a very simple way they're attracted to aesthetically pleasing sounds you know they're not they're not struggling against like spooky orthodox dissonance they're finding ways to use that and turn it into like head-banging cool fun music which is really interesting so uh let's just listen to this little section and uh kind of tie it up It was so much fun. Uh, so, yeah. like, we were talking while I was playing. It, it's funny because, especially, you've got like these two ideas that are, that kind of bounce off each other and then coalesce together. Um, mm-hmm. 
And when they coalesce together, you're like, wait, it's the Tool part, and then it's the Behemoth part, and then it's a part that could go on either band's album, which is which opens up just a lot of questions about a lot of things. You know, it's like if we can find a part that is both a tool part and a behemoth part, what else is out there to discover? You know? Well, also like, I mean, I think it probably, I think it's probably true that later behemoth has more in common with tool than it does with like, you know, I mean, name your Marduk actual death metal yeah yeah yeah. like Marduk uses similar scales very similar riff patterns in some ways but like Behemoth clearly has way more to do with Tool yeah yeah no I I see that and I don't know man it's like I I really appreciate the fact that this is such a proggy record that there is so much detail to dig out of everything but all of that detail it was kind of like when we were talking uh to Serpent Column and he mm-hmm. talked about uh, wanting to make records that can be enjoyed just as a surface listen, just like headbanger music, but also can offer more to people who want to explore it. This is exactly that sort of thing to me. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this part is just like, I remember when I first heard this, like I listened to it a couple times last night and I found the last half a little more diffuse than the first half. I think just because... I was expecting the more out stuff to sound more like entropy with these kinds of more uh, sort of focused, repetitive, with not focused, these more like riff oriented sort of uh, repetitive tracks or whatever. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, instead it was this more sort of flamboyant proggy thing. And you have a better ear for long hair music. Um, (laughs) And so, uh, uh, although ironically you are currently the one of us who is, bald or shaped yeah that is true it's a yes um uh but um but they uh but yeah so it's it's like i listened again this morning and you know that part was definitely one that struck out to me too especially like that big open slow guitar melody at the beginning is just super catchy and then like the 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 tight build with that sort of looping kind of behemothy vibe is just yeah it's yeah there and there's whether you're listening for the melodic ideas or for the body music aspect of it it's all there yeah no it's uh, it would be fun to listen to this in a car right yeah i mean it would be great to see live it'd be great to listen to at a party it's just got it's got wide applicability you know i was thinking yes i was thinking like this is definitely not a plays live band but why not yeah, this would go off live. You know, it's it's got mosh parts. It's got weird, you know, look down and think about it parts. It's, you know, it's... it's Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's not constipatedly technical. Like, they could definitely perform this live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think... Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I think this might, as, like, counter as it is to my usual sensibilities, this might end up on the year-end list. I no, really I, th- like I think for me, much. too. I think for me too, this was the first one of, I think probably, I mean, there's probably stuff I've already heard that will make it on there, I assume, just given how we do 20 albums. But like, uh, this is the first thing where I've heard it and been like, oh, probably your end. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this mm-hmm. might be for both of us. So, uh, yeah, obviously awesome album. Uh, really excited. I'm really interested to see what other people say about this record because I bet they do. <laughs> it's not getting enough attention, man. Um, I thought. Uh. I thought, like, this band, I know they always sort of kept a low profile, and, like, it's, 
Spire wasn't exactly <laughs> Spire was or sorry, Entropy was both more accessible than and less pretentious than or sort of like more accessible than a lot of things, other things in this genre, but also without the kind of um, affectation that makes things unmetal. You know what I mean? Like, 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 Entropy was a lot truer than a lot of bands this would get compared to. And the band doesn't, you know, they don't cultivate publicity. So it makes sense that it kind of flew under the radar. But like, I thought they were, I thought they had a bigger rep. And they're on Sentient Ruin now. And Sentient Ruin has a big following and does, you know, intense promo, right? But like, mm -hmm. I'm looking on the label's YouTube and I'm only seeing like, uh, 621 views and 33 likes so uh terminators get on there let's let's brigade this youtube video throw some likes positive brigading only <laughs> all right so obviously um excellent record really enjoyed it so uh let's take a quick break and get back to our second hey it's kari from sepulchre curse and i'm yaku you're listening to terminators All right, we are back. Uh, this time we've got Carcinoma's Labiscation. And uh, again, this is this is all new to me. What do you know about these guys? No, not, not that much more than you. Um, Carcinoma is a British band, I assume. I realize I had, just as I say that, I realize I had assumed this. So we're doing a quick double check. Oh, yes, they they're from the UK. They're from Plymouth. Um, and... Uh, this is their, it's their, you know, debut full length. It's on Rat King. Uh, Rat King is a label that we've covered some before, although mostly on the Terminus News segment. Um, and they do this kind of, I would say they specialize in sort of, oh yeah, because we covered that um, Trivax recently, the sort of Iranian band doing this kind of heavy Watain dissection-ish stuff, right? Kind of like... Yeah very very like rock kind of oriented um and then before that there was a very strange icelandic dungeon synth thing which is the mm -hmm. we we broke our dungeon synth rule to play that um no i agree yeah it was worth it so um uh they I, I think generally the label specializes in sort of um like abrasive modern black death kind of stuff or like sort of um, like are kind of arty but arty but challenging kind of English European scene, uh, orthodox and after that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I think we're firmly in the post-orthodox period now. I don't even know. If orthodox oh God, really makes yeah, sense we, anymore. Ex exactly. We need to find a different term for that. Yeah, no. There's our next genre to name, right? Um. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, so and this this band is definitely a good uh, definitely sort of typifies where they're where Rat King is at. Um, so like I would place Labiscation in this niche, yeah, of sort of brutal disso black, right? That we've been finding. Um, we covered that Hatopelagial Thoribos split. Um, mm -hmm. and that Novi Militiae record you brought on recently also, which, uh, mm -hmm. and both of those had this convergence between, on the one hand, the textural guitar technique from Orthodox, and you just heard another version of that influence on Spire, right? Combining with sort of, uh, brutality and emphasis on percussion and low end from war metal. Uh, and they 
turns out they complement each other pretty well. And also, I guess, a bunch of sort of cavern core interest in texture and murk and whatever. And th these are all styles that, as they're practiced today, have their own limitations. But it seems like they're, uh, it seems like it's like chocolate and peanut butter, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think there's probably, an, there's probably an argument to be made that cavern core is just death metal orthodox, basically. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, the, the orthodox BM of death metal, that makes sense. Like, just like orthodox BM was kind of like, let's start doing all these death metal things in black metal, kind of vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, the, if you look at the YouTube comments, you get a bunch of, you know, people from Rate Your Music or whatever, either saying that this sounds like DSO or it sounds like Portal or it sounds like DSO and Portal. Uh, and there are some frenzied arguments about that. Um, and like, you can certainly it, hear that what? it doesn't really sound like either though. No, no, you can like, yeah, you can hear. Sure. There are strange dissonant chords. There's some kind of murky sound, fractured rhythms. Those are things you more get with DSO than with portal. It certainly doesn't sound like it's being played backwards by slugs like portal uh but um but you know yeah so it's not really trying to imitate either of those and a lot of the people the, the whole scene that tends to jump to references like that or ulcerate right this whole sort of mm -hmm. disso black death niche of this kind of self-consciously highbrow technically showy stuff usually made by one or two dudes with line-in production right mm -hmm. this isn't like that at all right so um and i feel like you know, in some ways, I feel like it's kind of distant from what you or I would think of as a sort of solidly black or death metal record. But I think it's at its best, it's quite heavy. And it reminds me a lot of the most brutal kind of cutting edge European hardcore from the last couple of years or five years. Or ten, you know? Yeah. And I think that's that's an interesting point that we'll talk about, because mm -hmm. you perceive this more like a hardcore record like kind of an abstract hardcore record. And I think that I still see it as a bit more of a heavy metal record than you do. And I'd be fine with that. You know, I mean, I, to some extent that was just my, like, that's obviously my like cool spicy take. Right. And I guess that's something we like to do on this show a lot is try to bring out no, resonances see, that might not be obvious. I don't think it's even that spicy though. I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, we've seen just with black metal and death metal, over the past 15 years, really, but especially over the past five years of guys from the various scenes jumping into each other. You know, I mean, you've got the whole yeah. maggot stomp scene of punk dudes playing death metal. Yeah. Now you've got all these sort of arty or post black metal bands that are almost always yeah. guys from like the punk or the hardcore scene. And then you've got I, every single variant of USBM. Yeah, right. Yeah. From from and the that, stuff that's absolute shit to the stuff that's good. Um, yeah. And then you so. could even argue that, I mean, there's probably although I don't know that side as well. I'm sure there's probably similar stuff being reflected on the other side of metal guys jumping into doing more hardcore stuff and kind of dragging their own influences along with them. Oh, I'm sure there are. Yeah. I, well, that's a that's been a common thing in hardcore bands since the 80s. Is it's like there's one dude like Skater <laughs> J who has long hair and like he said, mostly listens to metal. Yeah, there's there's the one guy who has long hair and a Slayer t-shirt and camo shorts and really just wanted to be in a thrash band, but this is all that was in his town in Missouri, so this is what he's going to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so uh 
So, yeah, I mean, yeah. And as far as like the hardcore background for this, like, yeah, I think we could discuss where it falls with the music. It could just be that my favorite parts have more of that feel. Um, mm-hmm. But um, sort of like, what do we mean when we say it sounds like hardcore? Well, I thought of something that I think is funny, so I'm going to share it, right? You can uh, okay. y- you can think of the hardcore scene as having this kind of, uh, if you did like a political compass meme for hardcore, the axes of it would be something like clean clothes versus dirty clothes, and white t-shirt versus black t-shirt. <laughs> I love that, by the way. I love that. Thank you. And I think this band comes from, my guess would be that their background is clean clothes, black t-shirt. So I was. Uh, just uh, I started out as clean clothes, black t-shirt and sort of slid downward into dirty clothes, black t-shirt. <laughs> I'm curious, what is, uh, what is dirty clothes, white t-shirt? Is that unsane or something? No. Oh, well, uh, you could lump them in. Yeah, they'd be they'd be there for they'd be right between dirty clothes and clean clothes, white T-shirt. Um, hmm. uh, but um, or maybe they'd be on clean clothes, honestly. Uh, but no, dirty clothes, white T-shirt would be more like uh, 80s hardcore revival stuff, stuff that sounds like negative approach or like youth, uh, you know, youth crew is the original clean T-shirt. Um, but like you could have sort of uh tough sounding ragged shit that sounds like american hardcore that's kind of raw and unhinged from the 80s stuff like that right you could maybe put you could put grittier oi stuff there probably although oi people approve of clean shirts so i mean (laughs) maybe maybe that's a sparsely populated quadrant but you see what i mean (laughs) this is this is a bonus episode right here of just uh, us plotting out hardcore bands on this compass (laughs) Maybe because uh, for me, like dirty white t-shirt is maybe like the locust or something like that. I was gonna say, yeah. In in fact, yeah, the locust or some some like of the weirder kind of screamo bands or like garage rock bands. Mm-hmm. You could put like you could put like the the nastier garage punk bands on dirty clothes white t-shirt. The Hunch is yeah. a great band. <laughs> um, All yeah. Right, so so uh, let, let me play a sample real quick before yes. we get too ahead of ourselves. So. Um, here is something that's kind of like orthodox black metal and also kind of like hardcore, but I thought was most similar in terms of things that we've covered to, like you said, the uh, Nove Militiae record. Um, because that one was so distinct because you've got this almost purely kind of orthodox black metal guitar technique, but running up against this much more intense sort of rhythmic dynamic you know these yeah, just, like yeah. these rivers of blast beats and these just like really snapping aggressive things that are in and of themselves kind of like hardcore so yeah, uh, yeah. let's listen to let's listen to inner tyrant for a little bit
so uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting because like it, now now that I'm listening to it again with more of the hardcore in mind, it's like it's funny just how much of the technique just it's a Rorschach test. It's like because like <laughs> that really chunky down picked riff, but with that like upstroke dissonant arpeggio at the end. Because yeah. it's interesting because I, I've written a ton of riffs like that for previous bands of mine. But for me, when I wrote it, it was like, uh, okay, uh, how do I do like death metal, but with like a botch thing in it? So, well, but it's, they, there you go. Yeah, no, no, there you go. But, it, but it's interesting because it's like other people can listen to that and be like, oh, that sounds like Portal. That sounds like DSO. Well, it's not really. It doesn't really belong to oh, anyone. It's a I- technique everyone's using. Well, and also, that's the thing we've said about Orthodox in general, is if you want to understand where a lot of the characteristic French, a lot of this inorganic sounding sort of uh, shimmery guitar tone kind of scrunky interval stuff comes from, right? It comes from like French bands picking up hardcore influence, including DSO, despite the fact that they kicked a guy out of Hero Lauren for being in a hardcore band. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think it's, I, well, I mean, there, and there is just like a funny aspect to it just because, okay, so, so now we've got this niche sort of developing and we've, I mean, we've kind of coincidentally covered several records in this vein of like, okay, so we take the orthodox thing and we apply like a really intense sort of physical body music component to it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote in the notes, I mean, that just seems like a long way to go to get back to Converge, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I thought of Converge with, I mean, Converge, I'm obviously always thinking of Converge, but, um, you know, my, uh, from my, from my clean t-shirt days. But, I was about um, to say, that is the cleanest, blackest t-shirt possible. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, um. So, yeah, so it's like a, a lot of the time it's like we're getting, we're in a very complicated way getting back to early kind of techie abstract metalcore ideas. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, I can't yeah. wait for all these guys to discover Jane Doe. You know? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, they, that, but that's what they all grew up listening to, right? I think, I think a lot of them did. Like these guys did. These but guys for sure of, did. Yeah. A lot of the long haired dudes in the metal scene playing stuff like this probably didn't. I get what you mean. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, so, uh, yeah, and one reason these guys are good is that I think they are tapped into those actual conventions of body music. Um, you know, I when I was younger, I would have hated parts like that because I, I had this instinctive aversion to anything that was like spazzy. I just wanted this like continuum of pummeling riff, right? Yeah. But um, that part is so heavy. Feels like, you know, having your, having your head banging back and forth between two walls kind of. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that's fun. Do you have anything more to say about that guy? No, we can go on because, uh, this one we both, uh, have samples off of this next one. Yeah. So, Feudile Hope. This is a good one. Um, uh, let's go to right at the beginning of the track. Um, and I just, this is, uh, this track kills. <laughs> All right. Let's do it.
<laughs> that is a pretty ugh moment. Oh damn! Yeah, I mean, no, I that was definitely a uh, mosh in your mosh in your room kind of track for me. That the way it kicks off with all those just all those syncopated chug riffs just kind of banging off each other again. Uh, it's there's a kind of um, nimbleness to it. They, they they really feel like you're they're sort of like each of the riffs kind of like bounces from the chug up to the fretboard stuff and then it'll like bounce down again to another one um yeah it's, it's uh, sort of uh, like a it, it's like the guitar technique is almost like something immolation would do but rhythmically it's much less smooth yeah no no that that makes sense because uh, uh yeah because you've said you were interested in guitar technique like that back in the day and one thing you were listening to then was immolation Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it does really relate to immolation. That's interesting. I wonder if they're into them. Um, but um, well, I think I think DSO is. I think that I sure. think that all the I think that all these kinds of bands probably are. I think yeah, immolation, immolation was immolation the most in the forefront of that kind of thing. The most black metal NYDM, and of course, Converge yeah. was listening to Immolation, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah. So, what what else does this remind me of? Um, uh, it reminds me a lot of a band called Sectioned, who maybe I've mentioned on this show. They're like this. Um, oh, you know, they're a, a British band, uh, and it's kind of like. You know, it's basically just modern extreme hardcore, but you know, it almost. It's not what this w word usually means, but you could almost call it cyber grind just because it really effectively incorporates noise stuff and it grinds a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And section and it incorporates a lot of kind of mathy chug stuff as well. Uh, and it's just one of those bands that reminds you like, shit, this music, you know, music can be really insane. Um, and so there's this kind of... Uh, cross scene resonance with that um with sectioned i think and also with this band from denmark called hexus who came out at the very beginning of that dark core thing years ago i have but never it, heard that term <laughs> no I, I i don't know if anyone used it you know it was like blackened this blackened that right mm -hmm. blackened hardcore blackened crust core blackened whatever um you know like like trucker hat uh cult nation crap right but hexes yeah. were actually good right they just happened to come out at that time and they were not ever popular in the same way because they wrote songs that were this dissonant or more right uh mm -hmm. and it just very they, they would have these kind of melodic riffs that were just made entirely with tritones and half steps and they would just it was mostly these like big throwdown pit rhythms uh so it was uh yeah those are just a couple bands i mean that seem to resonate with this outside of the the regular genre genre groups but also you know at the very end of that riff right it sort of throws down into this much more death metal part and that part that transition is super heavy right oh yeah it's really good well it's it's funny because my sample picks up right where yours left off because you were like that first part's the mosh part for you because that's the part where i I, I sit in you know, the thinker pose and consider the rhythms. This is where the mosh part starts for me. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly up? that's a big, a big trans. I, I, you can mosh that transition for sure. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. 
so there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, man. How, how about that tritone it closes on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well. plus it's also like the, the very last riff is almost kind of like a suffocation riff with that big like spiraling descending turnaround at the end before that. I, I hear that for sure. Part. Yeah, so That's maybe there's kind a kind of a lot of NYDM in here. I think so. Uh, the more I listen to it, the more I think that there's a lot of NYDM or, or maybe even just that NYDM is a lot more influential to a lot of these techniques than we necessarily appreciate, especially suffocation and immolation um, and incantation on the side of the Cavern Corps bands. All the Asians, basically, from New York. <laughs> Annihilation, syncopation, masturbation, liberation. Uh. Sorry, that's a Rage Against the Machine song. Um, yeah, I was about to say, that. <laughs> it's like, that's probably a newer Rage track, right? <laughs> um, so, but there's an important thing going on here, which is, um, especially that, that opening riff, the one that we, uh, we broke off and started back up on. It's like, okay, so you've got this, like, really dissonant, kind of churning tremolo riff stuff. Well, how do you make that distinct from other people's because it's like oh you only got so much room to move well one thing that you can do which these guys are pretty smart to do is you reduce the number of notes by a lot and you draw those notes out so that even if the intervals are similar to something you've heard before they have an outsized weight because you're holding on you're building so much tension in these very simple kind of melodic figures and that's something i like a lot on this record is when they do that it draws a lot of attention to the double bass too um and mm -hmm. and yeah that's i yeah that's true like I, originally i i wasn't as like i felt like that riff was kind of a this like you know it just was more of like a like, like i i, I couldn't yeah. i couldn't feel exactly because it feels a lot like a regular death metal riff but like it's good that this song has regular death metal riffs in it. And, and I think you're, and, and the way you explain it that way, I, I guess I'm kind of aesthetically committed to appreciating it because that's that kind of clarity of form. I like in riffs. Well, it's, it's kind of like, we've uh, talked before about how like the Icelandic bands, right? There's just like too many notes smeared all over the fretboard being super dissonant. Right. And yeah. it's kind of formless. Whereas there's an example of still super dissonant, but, why don't we just play a tremor, a single string tremor riff? Yeah, and it's like it's dissonant, but it's almost hummable just because it's got that clarity to it, which I really appreciate. You know, I mean, just so much like really dissonant stuff. The more technical it gets, the more it just kind of slides off my brain. You know, it's like mm -hmm. I, at a certain point, it all just kind of <laughs> that's sounds a good like, image. <laughs> yeah, it just it just kind of sounds like smears. Of, yeah, yeah. It's all the same kind of shit all the time. But here, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's playing around with the same intervals that a lot of other people are. But, you know, when you scale it back that hard, make it more minimal, it, it, it works a lot better to my ear. For sure. I like, yeah, that's a smart gesture. And then where they go from that is really cool, too. You know, absolutely. Like those... That kind of, um, I guess, a riff, a, an adjective people use for this kind of music substance is like swarming. Maybe that kind of swarming riff was one of the only places that reminded me of something like Portal or DSO. But it yeah. was really good. But then the yeah. only problem is where it goes after my part, which is... True. 
eight minutes long. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's a place to discuss the limitations of this uh, yeah. this record. So this track is how long? It's twelve minutes long. Yeah, this is this is the seventh track on the record, and it's basically like a third of the record. Um, and how how long of the track is a metal song? Yeah, uh, probably less than half. And then there's a lot of kind of this uh, the spooky orthodox drone part. Yeah, and it just kind of goes. So we talked about how Spire makes a virtue out of sections like that because there are musical ideas running through them. Here, it's much closer to like, it's much more like the kind of thing like, we are playing arty black death metal. This is a feature of this style. Let us do this thing. And Mm -hmm. the question is, do you need to? Yeah, no, and that's a fair question, because I would say I basically like everything that goes on on this record for the most part, but I mm-hmm. think that it gets labored. Because even, like, even a shorter song, like Bloated Parasites, that's you know, it's like almost six minutes long, even something like that I feel could be pared back. There's, I feel like once these guys cross the, like, four and a half minute threshold... It's like okay, let's 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 wrap it up. Come on, I think this might be a stronger record as like a like a twenty five minute ripper. You know? Yeah, no, totally agreed. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of just sort of um, space on the record, but not like in a vast and spacious way. More in a sense of like there's this kind of continuum of hum or drone or just this kind of textural stuff happening in between these moments of action uh and that's like um and it's in part because where the band and that really stands out because where the band shines where like the riffs are hitting and happening right what this band specializes in is highly concentrated intensity Mm-hmm. Right? This like rhythmic, you know, this jagged rhythmic stuff, these rapid change ups, this, you know, drop from the crazy, crazy mathy part into the rolling death metal riff, knock out some blast beats. So like this band's m- their most effective. Uh, yeah, they're most e- effective when they have this like compression and convulsion to it and so i feel like what the what the album needs is right now it's very diffuse and what they need to do is um condense coalesce distill all that does that make sense oh yeah no absolutely i think this style is like this is at its best when it's almost grindy yeah, right. Yeah, write an album where you can play the whole thing live and you're done in less than a half an hour and you're all like, feel like you're dead. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. That's the way this should be done. And I'm sure these guys have the, they easily have the chops to do that and they'd probably relish doing it. Right. <laughs> um, so why don't we, so let's go then to ending on a, ending on a high note, as this album itself does, which is pretty cool. Uh, they, Many bands do not know how to finish a a song, much less an album. Mm -hmm. Although this record has this kind of diffuse quality in places, they uh, really bring things together at the end. This fucking rips. So this is the end of Occupier.
don't know about you, Death Metal Guy, but I certainly like a lot of sick riffs coming one after another. That is the platonic ideal for me as well. There are... The drumming on this record's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very strong. It's got that that organic kind of grind feel where it's like playing a little ahead or a little behind the beat. Mm, yeah, lots of good internal groove, right, when they're doing it. Um, and very authoritative snare, which is great. Um, and when the guitarist wants to write sort of like straight ahead trem riffs, they, they, they do great, right? They, they, they throw more sort of rhythmic curvature in the riffs than you might get from a more straight black or death metal band, which is really yeah. good. Um, this gives it this kind of snaky quality. And then that riff at the end, you know, that was really cool because it was epic, but also extremely confusing. <laughs> you get that sort of ascent, <laughs> you get that ascent, right? And then it sort of just drops off, but like not not really in a way that breaks the mood, just more in a way that's kind of like, I don't know, like plummeting from a spire or something, right? Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's got a lot of internal momentum. And honestly, the, all the parts that we sample that we really enjoy are kind of like that. Just like riff, 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 go, go, go. And it's like we were saying, I think that's that's the direction for this band is just like ultra compressed maximalist paradoxically maximalist and yet minimalist sort of grinding dissonant black death stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, you know, vocalist foot, vocalist foot on the amps, right. Foot on the monitors. Uh, always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And this is, uh, you know, it's got that sort of visceral punk energy, but you can also, I can also imagine people at the uh, Euro festivals giving it a big old windmill headbang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, overall, uh, solid record. Interested to hear some more from these guys and some more from Rat King. Um, you know, I've never actually heard sectioned. Do you want to do some sectioned for the interlude? We could do that. Yeah, maybe we'll do two tracks or something because they're so goddamn short. Uh, oh, or, well, they're, they're, they're not actually that. There are some that are longer, but I just mean like since our listeners are metalheads, let's give them like seven minutes or something. Um, I'll think uh, <laughs> it's uh, I'll, I'll find a few. Uh, I, it'll take me a minute to find them. But yeah, you're about to hear some um, bracing, uh, grinding UK noise hardcore. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, so we'll listen to that, and we'll be back with the back half of our show.
All right, we are back after some sectioned with some more, like, hardcore adjacent stuff with the uh, debut record by Qualen, uh, Uno Dan Sinut, uh, again on Time to Kill Records. So uh, this is a Finnish black metal band that's pretty clearly, I think you said they said it on the band camp or something, that these are uh, hardcore guys or punk guys or something. Yeah, yeah, it basically... Uh you know, there this song got their their album got posted around on a bunch of sites with the sort of the same press release on everything, and uh, the it, it says they're uh, yeah they're from the punk scene. They played in bands like a number of bands, uh, one of which I've at least heard of and slightly heard is Kuroishi, which is kind of a I don't know, sort of like Japanese style Crasher crust band, sort of heavy heavy D beat stuff. Um, but uh yeah this is their black metal thing um and uh you know yeah i could just say what what one of the things it says on here it says we hasten to add that while you can clearly discern the influence in qualen's music of such bands as young and in the way and dudes writ their self-professed inspirations also include the likes of dark throne niflheim bathory and turvid cadet um, the last of those is a, I believe, a Finnish sort of '80s hardcore band uh, mm -hmm. or crust band. Um, so uh, yeah, basically, a bunch of black metal bands that uh, punk people like. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, no, it's it's we've we've talked on and off about this whole thing of like uh, punk and hardcore guys getting into black metal and. It's always weird and contentious. I definitely have a, uh, a a visceral reaction to it, so to speak. Even though plenty of the music is not bad, and uh, well, you know, say, it I, depends on the kind of the part of the hardcore scene. It depends where you are on the sort of um, on the sort of hardcore chart. It depends on the kind of music you're trying to play, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're moving into. Uh, depends on a lot of things but in certain situations you do get a uh, a rather noticeable dissonance between the uh the social context of the band and the style they're trying to play yeah yeah definitely mm -hmm. um it, i i will say though it's like despite all my reticence this is basically a good record um these guys seem to have done more substantial homework than a lot of the punk guys getting into this and i i mean i think it, it has its issues but overall it doesn't really come with all the hallmarks of imitation that a lot of these bands do no i i agree it sounds like they actually yeah they um this is a it's a black metal band from finland and they play finnish black metal and i think they play it better than i like this version of it which is very aggressive uh a little more a little more dissonant and grinding but like not without some big hooks right i think i like this version of it better than you know a lot of the sort of sargeist swm worship bands that are coming out today so you know yeah this is a it's definitely a solid record yeah i think that well one thing that like struck me as a point of comparison in a, a sort of meta way was uh, Svederna, who we covered last year, in that they're both kind of very second wavy, 
but also very regional in style. And they both seem more interested in the the hard parts of their respective yeah. songs than the easy parts. Lots of mid-tempo struts, lots of kind of a, uh, a general sort of rockish sense of drama. Um, and like, yeah, an interest in this sort of like gritty uh, live way of playing, right? And mm-hmm. all, all of that is cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do hear Svidarna's got a lot more heavy metalisms in there, but like, I for sure, I hear the parallel. Um, yeah. So uh, I think you've got the first sample, and this is where we'll get into the uh, the, the big influence they uh, they left off the chart. <laughs> oh well, uh, here, yeah. So maybe I'll start with a different sample then than uh, the one I was going to do. So this is uh, oh, okay. this record definitely gets better towards the back end. Um, definitely, uh, de- like definitely. Um, and, uh, this track is Han, uh, what is it? Fucking, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're messing around with our, with our notes here. Um, oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm moving it for, okay. No, you do, you do that. I need to get the window open anyway. So uh quick, quick terminus logistical, uh, <laughs> shuffle. Um, there you go. don't, don't, don't mind the technicians. Um, yeah, so this one is called uh, Han Ein Tule Koskan. Uh, this is the fourth track, and this was really where I started to sort of sit up and take notice. Uh, and we're about a minute in, and we've got this sort of... It's a stompy Finnish black metal riff, but you get this kind of loose, jangly garage punk groove to it that mm-hmm. makes it feel heavier and you know makes it feel kind of like you could snap your fingers and groove to it while being like really drunk, which is, I think, a solid feeling. So let's start (laughs) here. Let's check it out. How do you like that glory, glorious soaring riff, Death Metal Guy? Uh, I do generally like glorious soaring riffs, but it's interesting. I feel like I feel like I may have heard something kind of similar to this before. <laughs> where where it, it, might I have heard that, uh, Black Metal Guy? <laughs> yeah, well, interesting. You know, it's got this kind of straightforward verse, bridge, chorus kind of thing. You know, you've got that. Uh, Kind of, uh, you know, you go through the stompy part with those big power chord turnarounds into this kind of bridge with these 
one spiky sort of uh, dissident minor kind of arpeggio stuff, arpeggio things, and then you transition up into that soaring melancholy melody. Uh, well, um, you know, in that comprehensive list of influences, they seem to have left off any Finnish black metal, and especially the infamous Horna. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is easily, obviously, the dominant influence of this. That music. is, this is a this is a Horna worship band. No bones about it. I even went back and checked to see whether it sounded like the second Behexen record, and mm-hmm. no, it sounds like Horna. Um, yeah, <laughs> it really does. I mean, maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe the first Behexen record is a little more like this. But um, uh, yeah. So let's go to. Uh, this track, Askisi, off of the glorious Sato Yesi RLA. It's like that meme of Pam from The Office. They're the same picture. <laughs> yeah, except, you know, one is a lot sort of clearer and sort of uh, more elegant than the other one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yes, they're the same. So, yeah. So did you hear that um, sort of stompy, jangly mid-tempo riff with the big turnaround at the end? Yes, I did. Did you hear that kind of swelling bridge riff that starts to incorporate more textural work? Yes, I did. And I heard all the parts after it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only difference is that Horna still has, once you get to the big, they slow down first and they have the big epic riff. And then then because it's Horna, they've got a fourth riff still in the bag that they throw in at the end for like a a, a double climax. But uh, that's because they're the masters. So yeah. Yeah. This completely follows the blueprint of Horna. The harmonic spectrum is Horna. If anything, it sounds a little more like newer Horna than than mm-hmm. Sonny Yossi. I can see that. Especially some of the more like the record that came out like five years ago had more to kind of just punk bashing. Um, yeah, yeah. Some stuff on the new record too. But uh, yeah, it's basically just emphasizing the most uh, kind of uh, 
punkish power chord oriented dissonant parts of horna um so you know it's 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 funny that that is nowhere in this band's uh self-presentation it seems a little bit uh (laughs) you'd want to pay tribute right i assume um but um yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was the thing that struck me was the like from the first note of this record on, it was Horna, 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 uh, which is which is you know honestly I don't mind that so much because God knows we're no. inundated with Sargeist. Yeah. Um, no, a worship so, band is fine. It's I think that it is good that uh, you know it, it's so easy to make Sargeist clones all day. You know it's it's really baked down to a single like razor sharp idea. You know, yeah, at this point, it, at this point, it's just a pastiche of Sargeist and like the most accessible Satanic Warmaster ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the 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 glory and the downfall of Sargeist is that it is a single idea executed with like perfect precision every single time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what these guys are attempting is going to Horno, which is a lot more kind of broad spectrum. You got to do a lot more research for it. Yeah, and it's closer to the punk. You know, Sargeist is the least punk of the major Finnish black metal bands. Horna is yeah. probably the most, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, should we go to your next sample? Or yeah, why don't we go to mine? I mean, that's just another sure. part that sounds like, like Horna, but it's, it's at the beginning of the record uh, and is just... Um, yeah, this is just the band. This is slightly, I guess, less epic, more in kind of aggro mode. But, you know, they've got strong two-step stuff. You know, they use they use the Horna stomp kind of like a two-step and they've got uh they've got strong blasting parts and it's just good sort of solid aggressive punkish black metal. This is from Pimea Tila. I gotta say, I usually don't like <laughs> goal, uh, you know, variations on "In the Shadow of the Horns," but that is a very good version of it. I'll give him credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You can't hear the dark on there for sure, especially on the blasty riffs, right? Um, they do a good job. I think they do. You know, again, like I think we've talked about how one of the weaknesses of the Finnish style, especially among the clone bands, is that some of the blasty power chord riffs or whatever can sound a little bit like tossed off. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here they're more right. considered. And I think that's, uh, 
And this band does, yeah, like they've got that cool call and response structure on the first one where it's sort of like they're these sort of dissonant arpeggios trading with the trading with the power chords they've got um and then at the end right there was that sort of like uh sliding swarming sort of slithering riff which was sounded pretty evil and was cool right yeah yeah no i think they definitely want to make music that sounds evil yeah they do well i i think this is a band that basically has a lot of good ingredients going on they just mm-hmm. need to kind of find their own musical aesthetic a little bit more. Like, because obviously this is super horror inspired, but obviously they're good enough at this style to to break out of that box. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that was distinctive I heard there was kind of the audible thumping bass. Yeah, no, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, so um, that, that's well. That's one of the things I actually noticed on this record that I appreciate a lot is they have done a lot of work when it comes to these kind of uh, contrapunctual bass motifs, which is something that Horna does as well. But it's the part of Horna that most people forget, you know, because all they're doing oh. is they're paying attention to the epic riffs and they're not paying attention to all the arrangements around it, which is what makes that music special. Yes, and Horna has always used a, except on some of the more recent stuff, not this latest album, the last, you know, on their like punky album, maybe it was more of a thick tone, but Horna usually uses a more glassy sort of uh, glassy high-end biting guitar tone, right? And that leaves more room for the bass. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And actually, well, we hear uh, it's good that you said that because we'll get to my first sample. This is a really good example of that. Uh, this this whole record has that kind of reedy black metal by way of garage rock guitar tone. And mm-hmm. this is a case where that really works because by pulling off the gain a little bit, you mm-hmm. get this really aggressive attack on these single string tremolo parts. Um and this one also has a giant sad horna riff, but again, it's one they've actually studied because the real body of the riff of this horna riff mm-hmm. is all in the bass guitar. So cool. Uh, this is off Rituali. Yeah, this so. is definitely like the high. This is definitely the big banger track. Like I, I, would I say quite, so, yeah. I quite, you know, the first one I sampled is solid, but that big melodic riff at the end is almost just like too poppy for me. Like it's almost like you know Migla clone kind of thing. It's yeah. but um this is this record this one has big melodic hooks and it's just a banger right well yeah. done yeah all right let's check it.
So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, like, so you'll hear in the, in the big sad horner riff, the, you know, when the guitars crest and, you know, complete the part of the melody, the bassist is sticking with that little three note figure, uh, repeating that ascension, which is the kind of thing Horna does all the time, but everyone else misses. Yeah. I mean, that was just like, that part just seemed to me like sort of you know that was complete music that was just all of that was very fully realized integrated um and you know i was typing to you during it like that's it was just exciting right that's that's it feels uh you know like you're sort of heading toward great deeds yeah it's like um i i think that so I, i mean i guess my primary criticism of this record is for me and i think you'd agree it takes a long time to get going to get off the starting blocks like there's a couple good riffs on Pimiatila, um, mm-hmm. but then it's like man this 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 kind of drags for the first three tracks for me it's really only in the back half that i feel like it starts coming into its own it's like i agree i agree i found i found the first three listenable but rather underwhelming and then i got to the fourth and i was like oh okay i guess i should take this take this seriously you know. Yeah, well, and it's so yeah. weird. It's it almost feels like the the track listing is like a chronological order of them writing the songs, because you know by mm-hmm. the, by the mm-hmm. end it's so much more fully realized than it is at the beginning. It's very strange. I hear what you mean. Yeah, I feel like that's almost a stylistic convention now. Like now that the Finnish style has. Now that the Finns and the French and maybe Migla have influenced everything towards this more kind of these more kind of consonant epic tones and these hooks right like uh i feel like a lot of records will start out with their sort of bangers and build toward the more melodic hook tracks or you know even like different stylistically but the last commodus record did that right yeah yeah it did, there, it did. the I first half was cool thing yeah yeah, the first half was basically, and he told me he wrote it. He, you know, he did this intentionally. It was like, yeah, first half is just sort of very simple, dark throne meets integrity, mid tempo bangers, and then the second half has all this more kind of uh, corded, melodic, textured stuff, right? Yeah, I think that's going on here to a degree, but it even beyond just like it getting more melodic, it just feels it, like it just gets better. better. Together. I hear, I hear that, man. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels more organized. It feels like like the band rapidly matures. Like I'm always I mean, wondering. It's like, honestly, oh, in Rituali, that was honestly like really impressive. Like that's yeah. a kind of integrated. That's a kind of like getting beyond just one riff after another. That is like. A lot of bands struggle to move from like pretty good band with some bangers that you know tracks that have sets of good riffs to tracks where the riffs all gel into one thing, right? And that has that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that at their best, this is a this is a band where the issue is well, one we've talked about you know trying to distance itself from Horna, but then also it's an issue of consistency. Because clearly we can tell that they've got these moments where they can really put it all together and really make it work. And then there's other tracks that just feel like assemblages of riffs. So I'd be interested in looking inside the writing process and seeing what the distinction might have been. Because it's so stark, it's it's very unusual that it's so immediately apparent. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I get the I totally get the sense that maybe they were working on mastering the style, and these are two things that they could have released as separate EPs, but they were like, "Fuck it, let's put out a full length." I got you. I mean, yeah, I, can I think see that. I think it works as a full length. I mean, I just think it's like it's the second half is clearly stronger. Mm-hmm. So, for my last sample, I want to go to the title track "Uno Don Sinut," which is this is where the band starts to sound like themselves more mm. in a, right. a very strange way because you know so far we've been hearing horna we've been hearing dark throne we've been hearing a lot of and you know horna and dark throne are kind of contiguous with each other to a degree but yeah i think horna probably saw themselves as inspired in part by dark throne right? oh yeah definitely <laughs> but here is where kind of out of nowhere Marduk steps in like very early Marduk the first couple records mm-hmm. and it's not the sort of thing you would usually expect to gel with this general finished sound but it actually kind of works here so uh, let's let's listen to this section I mean you're the big Marduk guy so I want to know what you think about it alright Yeah, well, that's just all really good, too, right? Yeah, I feel like this is the the most put-together track on the album. Like, like if, if they can get to, the, on the next record, if they can get to this level, that they can put out a record of songs in this vein with that kind of level of integration of everything, there we go. Then we, we're really cooking with something there. Yeah, no, I mean, so as far as the Marduk thing, um, I definitely, yeah, that's a good ear, dude. I can, I can hear that you, I can hear the Marduk parallel on a lot of those blasting riffs, um, for sure. That kind of the one at the beginning, and then that kind of tritone swoop that followed it up. 
which was pretty cool. They used it as like a tension release in between other big riffs. Um, those could, those also are all kind of within the range of Horna. Um, the only thing that like they do have blastier songs. It, again, it depends on the record. Um, there's some more stuff that's more like that on the new one. Um, yeah. At this point, Horn has done so many records. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything you do in black metal, they've probably done it. But but yeah, but like you know, it's uh, that. To be fair, that that is true. They have a considerable range. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's not out of the ballpark for that stuff. But it does sound like Marduk. There is this kind of effort at a concerted blasting intensity there that definitely reminds of that. Um, and that big riff that I think was just power chords or single string, but was really well done. I I can't remember exactly how it went, but like that was, I would almost say like the movement between the notes was a little fast for Horna. Like that had a kind of frantic quality to it that I could see. I could identify more with Marduk or with um, some other of the uh, more, high caliber Swedish bands. Yeah. And uh I think we both also really like that uh that closing like kind of spiky hardcore break thing that happened there. Just well, I thought like, that was really smart those, because yeah, those power chord stabs and everything. Cuz yeah, so that's a thing. Horner will often do things like that. They'll drop to like you know, something like that, right? Um they'll do this kind of like, and that is hardcore influence and punk influence and this kind of like, this kind of just hop, right? Uh, that sort of big headbanging hop part. Where, uh, um, but like, that's kind of a, those are kind of like a, um, the rhythm relaxes there, right? It's sort of like half times a bit or something like that, right? Whereas here, they keep the rhythm really tight in a way that is very specifically hardcore. So it's like, they're finding a function in a black metal song that resonates with techniques they bring with them from other styles. And they're importing those techniques in a way that only serves the black metal song. And because black metal has always uptaken from various strains of punk and hardcore, that makes perfect sense there, right? That's the kind of thing where like, that's the kind of thing where the outside background um, is a strength because there are these inbaked genre conventions where people from the black metal scene won't even think to do something imaginative like that, right? Yeah, because you know most of the guys in the black metal scene, not necessarily Horna, but probably the majority of guys in the black metal scene at this point, have adopted a lot of this sort of punk and hardcore shorthand, but only within what they're hearing in black metal songs. They don't really know yes. like it's a, they don't know its original utility. So one of the strengths of having yes. these guys come in is they know how it was originally used and then so they've got this more fundamental idea of how to use it. It's like the difference between, you know, knowing the knowing how to do an algebra problem versus knowing how to do algebra. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally get what you mean. You know, like I actually I had a tangentially. This is just a thought that occurred to me the other day that I was going to mention about Crota, which was, you know, the idea that like I often dislike poppy parts in black metal songs. But that's usually because they're written by people who don't really know how those kinds of melodies go. Whereas the guy <laughs> from Crota knows how they go. Right. And so there's this sort of control outside influences being, being brought in by somebody with control of that vocabulary. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. Um, it's, uh, so you know, like it's over, you, you could accidentally write black metal that sounds like bad pop music or bad punk, or you could intentionally use those ideas to make something really good. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> I, I think, and I think that's kind of the path forward for these guys. So mm -hmm. uh, overall, pretty uh, pretty interesting record. Uh, interested to see what happens to them after this one. So let's take a quick break, and we'll wrap it up with our final record of the night. This is a little one gash and goes into Terminus. All right, we're back with our final record of the night. Ancient Spheres with Prayers of the Black Flame and just got a perfect album art. Perfect album art. Just, just yeah. two black metal guys with torches. And it looks like, are they like in like a swamp? It looks like they're like, knee deep in water oh maybe because the one guy's behind I hadn't seen that yeah there's glistening water there they 100% are oh that's killer they're that is killer trudging around the swamp with your torches there's nothing about it that attempts the person who took this photo and I presume they all came up with it and you know had a really good photographer but like this is a great example of true underground art, which is that there's an aesthetic sensibility, there's an idea, there's composition even. You get those reds and those three flames on the torches. Um, the guy in the front, guy in the back, there's depth. But there's no effort to make it quote-unquote professional. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Like it's... Did and it and it's like it, it's got movement to it. Like some of the cool yeah. black metal album covers have movement to them. That's a good point. Yeah, they're on their way. Yeah, you can see direction in the way that one is closed or the other's behind. They're on their way to do something bad, or at the very least, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like the cover of a blaze in the northern sky. You, you can see him. He's like launching himself past that fence post in that picture you know it's it's oh i i, I gotta go look back at that that's that's interesting blaze the yeah man sky. yeah blaze in the northern sky it's like there's a ton of oh yeah no that. he looks like he's pounce i always thought of it as impouncing on something oh my god yeah that's fucking sick i didn't i didn't realize that he was jumping over a fence yeah yeah dude uh, i think he's I, I think he's just using that to push off for more momentum for drinking someone's blood it's great no no i get, <laughs> I get that it's it's real it's like soul reaver it is very, it is very Soul Reaver. <laughs> I like how Soul Reaver is something that keeps coming up on this show. I love Soul Reaver. Soul Reaver, the Dark Souls of the 90s or early 2000s. Well, Soul Reaver mm -hmm. is also just like perfect black metal aesthetic. No, it, well, that's what I mean. It was like, yeah, Dark Souls is the most black metal video game now. In the 90s Soul, or the late early 2000s, Soul Reaver. Definitely. So uh, Ancient Spheres is, uh, like I said up the top, um, a two-piece from Costa Rica. Uh, this is their third full-length record. Uh, they've been around for about 11 years now. And uh, apparently they're named after some sort of like weird uh, stone spheres that were found in Costa Rica back in like the 1930s. 
uh, I think I dimly remember hearing about it. It's like there's these like perfectly smooth stone spheres that have been found. I think not just in Costa Rica, but in various parts of like uh, Central and South America that are like too perfectly spherical to be natural formations. But there's literally no idea of how these could have been made with tools. That when did they from. date to? Uh, I think they dated back like a couple thousand years or some shit like that. It, it, it's, cool. It's one of those just very weird things. Oh, I um, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's a good name because there's it. It could be just sort of random combination of spooky stuff, but like there's there's depth to it. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked on this show a little bit about the South American black metal scene or metal scene in general, and uh, just for purpose of conversation i'm lumping central america in with that so we covered a band last year called montool who were a very interesting sort of melodic black death band from chile who uh managed to make stuff that was very contemporary and very accessible and distinctly latin but mm-hmm. without any of the trappings of how we perceive quote-unquote Latin music in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's very interesting to me to check out these bands because this is a band where I feel like knowing they're from Costa Rica does add something to this music. Because when you kind of like get down into the depth of this music, you start to feel the environment a little bit more. This doesn't sound like frozen Scandinavian black metal. This no, and if it. you weren't primed, f- what? Go ahead. If you weren't, pr- yeah, that's a good point. Like that's a yeah, that's a thing about like music in general. It's like yeah, I mean, obviously the most important thing is the music, and it stands or falls with that. But with certain things, the the stuff, the external cues are a part of the art or are a part of it, like the the cover art the concept the name whatever right and so if you heard it without those cues you might just be like huh this is kind of interesting eccentric black metal right and if you hear it with those cues you see the guys walking through the swamp in the red heat and you think of it as south as you know central american i hear what you mean it really opens up in a certain way yeah i think that Yeah, it's one of those things where, on one hand, you are kind of psychologically priming yourself, but at the same time, black metal is about the story. It's it's about the landscape. It's about the the yeah. It's about place. Yeah, definitely. And it only makes sense that you know guys who are into the style of music. I mean, we we, plenty of people have talked about how the the landscape of Norway was so formative to the sound of black metal from mm-hmm. Norway. Sure. So, yes, it makes intuitive, logical sense that black metal from Costa Rica would reflect its environment as well. Um, and I think that's something you hear in this. There's, It has this coastal quality. You know, the, the forests you explore down there are, are jungles rather than the kind of coniferous forests of Norway. And these, thing, these seem, at first blush, like small details, but I don't think they are. I think they're really important to how this music gestates. Yeah, I mean, another simple overall thing is like, uh, this band is strongly influenced by the original Norwegian and Swedish bands. Like, that's Mm -hmm. probably the biggest influence here. 
Um, and they actually, they understand a lot about that guitar technique, like more than almost any now, more than most nowadays bands. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and there are even some of those harmonic ideas in there. Some of that sort of the sharper minor scales, the more sort of, uh, evil sounding tones. Right. But the guitar tone itself is warmer and richer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, there's, and it's, it's, it's also got these sort of flowing, kind of in a sense poppy but just cool sounding because they're in a cool context like very accessible direct pretty consonant melodies that sound just haunting in this context yeah now the uh, the production of this record is not traditionally good as a lot of people would understand but i think it's perfect for this music like uh, i like the really kind of clattering very inhuman drum machine um the, the guitar tone is kind of a masterpiece unto itself. Yeah, it's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so wet. It's so you know what it is? Like, it's like yeah, that. It's like when the air is hot and it swims in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really, that is what it is. It's like, it's, it, it's like they've got the reverb patch on it, but then the wetness of the reverb is turned all the way up. So it doesn't feel like it's... It doesn't feel like it's resonating in a cathedral or something, which is how most heavily reverb guitar tones sounded. This is like it's it's going across the water or something mm, like that. Mm, I like that, yeah. It's very different sounding. So I, I love that. And I don't know, this is, like you said, the, the constituent parts of this are heavily based on um, traditional second wave black metal, which I would say most South American stuff is, you know, mm-hmm. I think it all begins from a base of second wave. Aside from Cagamelo, right? Aside from Cagamelo, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they yeah. well, I mean, they were there before it, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's also interesting is I'd say that beyond that, one of the biggest influences here is Inquisition, who everybody yeah. forgets are originally from Colombia, so it's. Interesting, mm. the kind of parallel. Obviously, Costa Rica is a fair distance from Colombia, but okay, there is some sort of primordial, well, maybe Latin folk idea. But if you took like an that. average between the Pacific Northwest and Colombia, it might be kind of near Costa Rica. I don't know. I don't know the exact latitudes and longitudes, but uh, probably a little. <laughs> it maybe not exactly halfway, but like point being, Costa Rica is in between South and North America, sort of influenced by both culture. You know sort of in this continuum of culture right in the middle of it and inquisition exists on kind of either side of that continuum because it yeah, has yeah. this there is this very south american quality to the sound like you can hear uh, the early stuff does relate to Cagobello. uh and then you go n- north and they're also this uh the super canonical just r- consistently great american black metal band that everyone forgets is usbm yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, Inquisition has become, you know, a, a USBM standard bearer, which is interesting because, the, I mean, I, I guess it was uh, those guys came over after the demos, like before the first album, right? So I, I, I guess, guess was his family Colombian or was he an American family that was living in American like Latino or Hispanic family that was living in Colombia? I think he was, uh, I think Dagon is like a, a white Colombian, like yeah, mostly right. European ancestry down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so actually, uh, I mean, with that in mind, let's listen to this Costa Rican take on a big Inquisition riff. Hell yeah. 
And I like this those. Track, this is off a track called Towering of the Three Heads. And this, <laughs> this is just a giant fucking riff to start. So let's check it out. Yeah, it's like uh, something that's fascinating about this record is that I can absolutely see people listening to this and it just slides right off them. Like, yeah, this is a record where you actually have to listen carefully to pick up on the nuances. Like, for instance, uh, throughout throughout that entire sample, every time. Uh, a new riff is approached by the guitar. There's always a variation to introduce it. And mm. into, and like when it's coming out of that sort of blasting riff, they'll mm-hmm. shimmer back into a phrase from that initial really pretty Inquisition style arpeggio. There's this very deliberate effort made to create a real song, to create motifs that occur again and again just with these very simple phrases which is one of the things that makes it so challenging this this doesn't have a lot of notes they're just incredibly carefully selected yeah this band will not yes this is this is this band is yeah power manifest as confident restraint right yeah i would agree with that you know there's a uh 
there's a quality i think i brought this up with some other band but there's a kind of a uh a drunken master quality to it right mm-hmm. they're they're you know it's uh th- they don't they're not they're not hitting you over the head with either how arty or profound or extreme they are they're wearing it naturally as a part of their nature understatedly and that's actually a manifestation of pride and scorn yeah yeah it's it's, like drunken master pretends to be drunk all the time or is drunk all the time in part because nobody can fuck with him right (laughs) definitely it's like i and and that's something that actually occurs just throughout this record is the this really refreshing subtlety and restraint and but that's and that's one of the things that will unfortunately make it difficult for this band to break out because there's very little that is immediately different it's it's all in the details it's all in this very careful way these songs are assembled well the overall vibe is so different you know i mean also i just about that sample i really quick i'm gonna say that last riff we were gonna cut the sample earlier right at the end of the more uh more aggressive triplet blast but like that last triplet trem riff it's like that's a great example of a riff that is classically melodic right very consonant and it's it's graceful and elegant and it has its power that way it just sort of it it floats effortlessly right and it's like importantly a, it doesn't really fucking sound like euro black metal no not really yeah i mean you could no <laughs> yeah it's like it, it's it's is, corded it's corded in the way that you could imagine a on the one hand, a Slavic, certain kind of Slavic song. On the other hand, maybe a highbrow Swedish kind of early 90s thing could be. But, like, yeah. it really doesn't sound like it. And it has this lovely kind of, um, you know, we've talked about how, like, melody isn't just sort of filling in space, filling in intervals and in prescribed rhythmic forms. That has a, that riff sort of glides in this naturally yeah. melodic way, right? Yeah, no, I think that's a good description of this this music in general it it's very smooth and it glides but it has this like incredible weight to it yeah it's like a a massive like predator animal it doesn't run super fast but when it collides with its prey it's just dead instantly yeah or it's you know or yeah like an ambush predator or something Yeah. yeah for sure it's like a jaguar it's, or, in the jungle, you know? Ex- yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's something I definitely associate with this band. Graceful movement of the cat. Um, and also, you know, the other thing I was thinking of association-wise is, you know what these guys have to be into is bats. Right? <laughs> big, big old Central American cave bats, right? <laughs> I can definitely and see that. You can think of a scene in a vampire movie, right, where, you know, the count is coming and he's floating over the ground and just gliding gently. Yeah, in, in complete silence. Yeah, with his arms kind of obviously with his arms out at the side, like the cover of that. Uh, what's it called? That fucking um, Mortis album. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so speaking of which, let's get to sacrificing myself. Uh, uh, I thought about sampling this track too. This is a fucking banger. Yeah, so I didn't really get uh, you know I it, again it takes a minute to get your hooks in. Um, I also do think this one gets better as it goes, but like. When I started to really notice shit going on, I think I'll have to listen again more carefully to some of the early tracks now that I have this appreciation for it. But um, this is the first part that really struck me. This is just, this is going to be like a classic brooding 
Burzum riff or like a early Migla riff, like Grotza or like Saran or something, but just super brooding arpeggio, but it's carried into this new world dimension. So let's let's go. drink your blood (laughs) it's 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 a record that's just understated sophisticated takes on ideas that every black metal band has done like to death we're tired of all these ideas and these guys are doing them properly again yeah they're making you hear it like you know it feels like the first time man you know it's uh it restores the you know, and I think to some degree, maybe we'll see more like this from this. I mean, it's definitely just an underrated scene in general, but maybe we'll see more like this from Central and South America because I feel like there's a regional rhythm to it. Like, yeah. like places, you know, the black flame kindled in Norway and then it was passed to several other peoples in several different places, right? The Greeks, the, uh, you know, the, the Greeks, the French, the Slavs, uh, you know, the Germans maybe a little later, right? Maybe the Germans are still working on it, but um, <laughs> uh, for the most part. But um, but you know, like there are places, and then you know, America, right? The the U.S. has finally come to fruition in the last five years, and it's like when people. Although black metal has obviously been played in Central and South America since the very beginning, right? It's like there there seem to be moments where like a certain place really contacts the origin and produces yeah. something really new that is still rooted in that. Well, yeah, I think that... I, I think it really does have to do with it. 
I, I think in this case the it's the distance from the origin that almost makes it easier to access. You know, it's like there's a more natural reproduction of the I don't want to say historical, but the sort of uh, this this like cultural state necessary yeah. to produce it. Well, well, you know, they're not taking it for granted. Yeah, right. I think that's in a the really way that like. Thing. Like, you know, people to like, you know, when the Norwegian and Swedish scenes went to shit, it was in part because these tropes calcified. Right. And those scenes have barely recovered from that over the years. Yeah. Well, well I mean, you can see it in stuff like because obviously this is more authentically second wave than most of the stuff coming out of northern Europe these days. And, oh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. Can, you can see that in aspects like like the sort of gothic thread that yes. runs through all of this, which is very important to this music. But it's gothic not not in terms of being like gothic music or looking yes. like goths. It's in the same way that Day Mysteries is like an incredibly gothic record or in the Nightside Eclipse is incredibly gothic, you know? It's a, a natural outgrowth of all these ideas swirling together, you know, like fantasy Satanism, man, this is fantasy Satanism. Right oh, here. it for sure is. And, you know, instead of like, instead of standing on the crag, casting energy bolts down at your inferiors, right? You're kind of like, you're, you're walking into the vastness of the echoing dripping cave, right? Following the subterranean river. Yeah. 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 It, it's so cool. man. <laughs> this is, this is very, Oh, that's another point. Like, well, there's something... It's interesting. It's not, like, exclusively chthonic. It's not, like, earthy in the way some war metal is, right? Where it's, like, rattling up from the depths, right? It's not just, like, infernal goat lust desecration. Because there is this floating, graceful quality to it. But it's definitely chthonic in the sense of being extremely nocturnal and lunar. Extremely preoccupied with, like, the... You know the dark, the deep rainforest, jungle or rainforest, the caves, the the hollows. Like you said, something great about you've got some great landscape imagery in your next note. So let's get to it. Oh yeah, I can do that other sample. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. So because I had the idea that I have this sort of idea that the the physical geography of wherever black metal is formed is really important. I think that well, like, I mean, bro, that's what we all think. Yeah, but like, it's it's funny how people like forget it sometimes. Sure, you know? no, that's true. People think they get it and they don't. Yeah, well, something like death metal. Death metal can kind of be produced anywhere in any style you wish because it's not really mm -hmm. about nature. You know, it's it's about it's about sort of like abstract matter and like psychological mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. states and shit like that. Yeah, but for sure. This is a lot more, Black One is a lot more tied to the actual landscape, uh, pagan folklore, all the parts of a place. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, so what is Costa Rica as a place? So, I mean, it's a, it's a small country. It is, it's got the Atlantic Ocean on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other. It's incredibly coastal. Um, you know, it's locked between two other small countries. So there's only there's no real you're in this kind of paradise but there's no escape from it in a sense there's only infinite <laughs> water or two neighboring nations there's no there's no place to roam so uh 
so what is it about? Well, so as a result, then it has to be about this sense of specificity about getting as much out of this little bit of ground as you can. These sort of uh, ritualistic relationship to this small part of the earth. And it's about looking across the water. Because mm. you, you can't be more than like 150 miles away from the ocean in Costa Rica. And that occurred to me, it's like... So you're always on the edge of that sense of something much vaster. Yeah, you're always on the kind of the edge of human existence, the edge of reality. Mm. So mm -hmm. I want to play the title track, uh, Devotion of the Eternal Black Flame. And you're going to hear a riff that comes in that's sort of like a, a Finnish, like, sentimental black metal riff. But the way it kind of gestates suggests a completely different environment it's not like the the kind of like cold like cliffside frosty lament of finished mm -hmm. black metal it's 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 raining and it's nighttime and it's still incredibly humid in the middle of the night and you're gazing across the ocean and just watching the moonlight reflect off it so we'll see, we'll see if this is uh, an accurate description. Yes. <laughs> Devotion to the Eternal Black Flame. Let's do it. the wolf howl in at the end there uh, that's essential after all that <laughs> you you kept that howl in right oh yeah yeah no of course oh, as the end bro with the, the wolf howl sample it's dude that's i man when i heard this i was just like this is so 
fucking good. It's so sophisticated. And again, like we were talking, I recently wrote a riff really similar to that middle sentimental riff. But it's Just to the one, it comes in pretty quick, right? It like the riff, the, the main riff sort of, the chord progression might have already been there, but it drops down into this sort of... Uh, Sort of slower feeling, arpeggiated. Dum 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 dum. And then it just instead of hanging out there, it just lifts back up and goes. Yeah, I think I think one of the important things, what makes this music so distinct and yet relatively subtle, is that there's a very strange sort of guitar technique on this record, where I think that what you're hearing is mostly just blasted out reverb and delay. I think there's very little actual tremolo picking in this music. So that's a conversation that came up with me uh, when I was doing my interview with um, Spellbearer from Sylvanthor on the other night. Like, mm. uh, like he talked about like tremolo picking versus sixteenth notes. Are is trems thirty second notes supposedly? I mean, obviously, I know for the fastest Norwegian black metal bands or Swedes, right, they're often tremming 30 seconds, right? Or maybe like well, DSO is, right? Tremolo is, uh, I, I mean, the, the sort of colloquial way we talk about tremolo is basically like 16th, but it's more like, but in a black metal context, you're not I've always really... thought of it as 16th in a fast measure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in reality, though, in black metal, it's you're really you're holding for time. It's it's more like a you're trying to create a long like bowed violin note. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Riff. So it's it's not well. I mean, some people get a little bit more technical with it, and they're really picking out every note. But I mean, a lot of times when I'm doing tremolo riffs, I'm doing kind of like a a really fast triplet. Or something like that. You know, I'm not like right on the 16th. Uh, okay, the, you hear that, guys? The death metal cheat guy cheats on his trem. Right, oh yeah, no, right. no, I, I do not. <laughs> I do not have a super fast right hand, but I know how to blur it together, so it sounds good. But no, but for sure, I have a, I have a, uh, um, a, um, I have a notoriously creative sense of rhythm. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so on this record, there's very little tremolo. It's mostly just these, like, single-picked note melodies or these, like, really kind of, like, crushing, occluded power chord arrangements in the most dissonant moments. So what do you mean by trem? Like, so, like, are you saying, like, I tried to listen for that. So are you saying he's not 16th note picking the, the single note parts, that it's, like, kind of like eighth notes or something? No, or that I'm he's saying, just letting. I'm saying for the most lower than that, and just letting them ring. I, I, for the most part, I think he's just playing the guitar like a bass, like letting single notes ring. Oh just man, going, yeah, just going through these very slow, deliberate runs. But there's so much goddamn reverb and delay that they sound huge. Um, and in addition to that, like half of this album is like arpeggiated riffs. So yeah, for it, sure, it totally makes sense in that context. So I like the idea that it's like, apart from what it does is it makes those moments of tremolo. Like there was a moment in this sample mm -hmm. where he's actually hitting the tremolo. It comes out of nowhere. You don't even realize that the trem was missing until it arrives. And it becomes, it's not just a default technique. It's something to be used in a certain context for drama, for the biggest mm -hmm. moments in this, which is a totally different idea from yeah. 
the rest of Black and where the tremolo, the tremolo configuration is just the resting point of the music. Although in most of the best bands, they're doing more than that. They're, that's the thing we talk, talked about with Spellbearer, too. Like, the best bands are doing things like marking the introductions of phrases or things like that. Um, oh, definitely. But for, for the bulk of Black yes. Hole, it's, it's no, just I, stuck in trim. I, I hear what you mean. Yeah, that's one of the problems of the genre, is that people take it as like, here is this default. Okay, I guess I just, okay, and I've got this, okay, like sort of like eighth note arpeggios. Okay, cool. Then let's do another one that's sort of like, da, 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 right? Okay, yeah, fill that in. Find some notes. Eh, that sounds too much like Sargeist. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, but so these guys are not doing that. It's all tailor-made. And I think, I feel like even, I couldn't hear the single note thing. I know you have a better ear for guitar technique than I do, but I feel like even if they are playing, Playing, like doing more continuous picking at some parts than you said even if they are it's definitely slow yeah um yeah this and there, there's one some thing interesting stuff where you'll have the the drum machine kind of like double timing what the guitars are doing it's almost like a mortician effect sometimes yeah in towering of i i think i heard that in towering of the three heads at the in your first sample like when they went to that triplet blast there was something like um First of all, it had kind of a slow, majestic feel, and there was something in, I think, the guitar sound that was working against the speed. And there was, like, a lot of reverb on the vocals that seemed to, like, you know, again, like, shimmer over things and slow them down. It was... Yeah, but this, this whole record has a kind of hazy, dream-like yeah. quality. But the part you just sampled was interesting because although it had a bunch of just very satisfying, big-release hooks, right... Um, you know, so, some of which almost sound like power metal, right? Or like, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's shit on this record that could be like on the final countdown, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but that's a great melody, right? Um, it's these, th there are these big sort of climactic riffs, but it also feels way faster than either of the things we sampled before. And I don't know if it's objectively faster, but the way the riffs, you've got that sort of like, uh, that nice motorhead clip on the drums, and then the way the riffs throw into each other, it feels like, it. even though the riffs are less dark than some of the other riffs, it actually feels more aggressive than our first couple samples. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Well, I mean, this is kind of like, this is very clearly the climate. They made the last track because Ancient Spheres, the the self-titled band, was was an ambient kind of outro thing. Mm -hmm. um, this is designed to be the giant climax of the record. Absolutely. Well, they fucking did it. Okay, so <laughs> let's do. let's de-escalate to uh um uh something in Hall of or actually not really de-escalate. So this is in Hall of Illusions, another great title that clearly resonates with the atmosphere we've been talking about. Um mm -hmm. but uh this part feels, feels very fast. It does have trem uh and it uh here they show that if they want to, they can put themselves through the paces of like a dawn or a sacramentum or a necrophobic or a dissection very rapidly and then just go on their way <laughs> all right let's go yeah
those rifts, no matter how big a divergence they are, all necessarily follow each other. Oh, yeah. No, that part is just a tour de force, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, like, it's, it's fucking... It, it's like they're, they're... It's like you were saying, though. It's like they're doing all these gestures, all these like little micro-references in these little bridging riffs. Th- these bridging riffs that they're just like tossing off for a couple reps and then moving mm-hmm. on from could be the basis of songs. Oh, yeah, they'd they're be verse like, riffs for other people. Oh my god, yeah, that no, moment fine. <laughs> that moment where they slow it down into this sort of clanking. You get this like clanging on the guitar and bass, which is really cool. Um, yeah, the, the spoken word sample kicks in in the background. Yeah, this watery clang for a minute. Uh, you know, like I don't know, like um Yeah, just a watery clang. Don't know how to <laughs> express that with an image. Um uh and then it just speeds right back up. Yeah, and you get all these just storming blast riffs. And again, then they drop into this huge kind of like Inquis- Migla or Inquisition melody, one of those big sort of big hook moments, you know? And it's like, yes, big payoff. And then when the drop hits, they're giving you a more intense blasted version that still has something to do with that big hook melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's- this... I bet I bet that one thing these guys listen to a lot of is uh, old limbonic art, like Moon in the Scorpio or something like that. I've had a hard time getting into that, but I might have to revisit it. I think I know what you mean. Or what about like Manes? Manes possibly, yeah. Uh, these I, Norse I bands that have kind of like a synth-shrouded sensual atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. No, limbonic art is... Um, Limbonicard is really good, but I definitely get where you're coming from just because it is that bracing late 90s symphonic black metal thing. But once you, you kind of get past the uh, the sort of like overwhelming like in your face quality of the synths, you start to you start to listen to it just as the notes coming at you. And yeah, it's a lot better. Yeah. Again, I'm committed to thinking I'm committed to free the synth, you know. Yeah. Which is uh, so like I, I yeah I tried to get into it I thought I could I'll, I'll give it another shot when I'm feeling particularly vampiric um yeah but uh speaking of which you you've been mentioning the synths throughout this album yeah there's actually a lot of synths on this record but again like everything else they're super restrained and in the mix they're super low in the background like I think I really think the idea was to make the listener guess if they were there or not or try to detect the origin of certain sounds that makes sense yeah it contributes to the sort of hazy disorienting atmosphere right yeah yeah it's like it's all just like weird jungle gloom and it's just mm-hmm. like which is i mean why is that an atmosphere that hasn't been cultivated before oh, wait, it probably has, and it just never fucking made its way up north because it's so hard for any of these guys to break out of South America. I think there are some, yeah. I they feel like I've heard of some contemporary bands doing things like that, but, like, there's this Brazilian band, Catayra, and you can tell it's kind of just, like, like, you know, like the Brazil version of Cascadian or whatever. Like, it's supposed to be rainforesty, but it's, like... Y- I'm not even sure I've heard it. I can just tell. Maybe it's even good. I can just tell. Not for me, right? <laughs> you know, it's. I think it's. I think Katira's rainforest is a lot happier. Well, I, well but but there, therein lies the problem. What you're saying is, 
the moment they describe it as rainforest themselves or put like a nice rainforest nature picture, it's you see that's already it's already fucked up. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I mean, no. The Norse said their music came from the mountains and the fjords, and they included pictures of themselves on mountains and at fjords but, and and but, in, but, but, in but, high mountainous forest. But that's different from, uh, you know. Look, a, I'm just trying to be of... fair to the band I was ripping on, without well, no, having I heard it. <laughs> yeah. What I'm what I'm saying is the difference is it's one thing to do that back in 1990, but now in an era where everyone knows how to advertise themselves saying oh we do rainforest blackmail or something that's missing the point i i i get what you mean i think i think but i think he makes like there's some like folk instrumentation incorporated whatever and whatever but but yeah it's it's i get what you mean in that it's very it's very showy it makes it into a it makes it into the kind of thing that the blogs will like. It makes it into a gimmick. Exactly. It, it, it turns yeah. it, even if the music is good, it, it irrevocably uh, turns it into a novelty based on its origin. You could, you could, I think you could say you're making Rainforest Black Metal. And have, like, if this band said they made Rainforest Black Metal, it would be dank, right? It wouldn't matter. Yeah, but I do like it more that they don't say that. And it just exudes from the music. I understand what you mean. Yeah, you sort of take it for granted, right? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, that that makes sense. I mean, that you know, that also relates to the way, say, like, uh, with sort of, you know, the way that like the ideological charge of the early black metal bands got turned into a lyrical theme. So from the late 90s on, everyone is screaming about Satan, whereas the early black metal bands just wrote from a Satan. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I think we went through In the Nightside Eclipse and found one mention of, like, one direct invocation of Satan on the last track. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It really wasn't as big a thing as people think. I mean, it was it was about Satan, but it wasn't as demonstrative. <laughs> they weren't the, they they were they were showing not telling right they didn't have anything to prove it was all exactly. in yeah the satanism manifested in everything the in, the lyrics showed you right M mayhem too right the the lyrics on um Euronymous, i think was a satanist right but the lyrics mm -hmm. on you know the the, the lyrics on demisterius are preoccupied with all these sort of like metaphysical horrors right oh yeah yeah, and I, yeah. I think as far as showing not telling, I mean that brings us back to this record, which is a yes, great example of showing not telling. And yeah, I want to stress to the listeners again, this is something that is worth sitting down with and taking your time with. Like it's this is not a showy record. This is deep cut, hard listening for jaded black metal people. You know, like <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah. I, so although like I, I think about. I think if you've got similar taste to me or you, I think a lot of the people who follow us on Instagram will get this. But the interesting thing is that it doesn't sound like any of the sort of uh, it doesn't sound like any of these little subcategories of unusual underground black metal that have this kind of cultural aura about them. Right. This just sounds like itself, and it sounds like the '90s. Um, and so, in that sense, it won't. It, it's not as like trendy, but like I feel like I feel like people who like, who have an ear for songwriting and are looking for stuff that's like kind of 
raw and off the beaten path will be into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's an excellent record. I, yeah, this I is really great. Want to hear? I really want to hear what these guys do next, and I, I want to go back through some of the old stuff and see what they were doing, and hopefully, just introduce these guys to some more people. Because like when we were talking about Montel and it is just really hard for these South American guys to uh, to break into the global north. And we can already tell there's an entire world down there that not enough people are listening Yo, to. No, there's a whole fucking continent, right? North Americans often forget it exists. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I got some rainforest stuff to close this out. Sick. Uh... Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Rain, so rainforest, was... sp- rainforest spiritual enslavement by Skullflower. <laughs> uh, I, is that a thing? <laughs> that's that's the title of a Skullflower record, yeah, or or uh, a song. That's, yeah. that's kind of dope, actually. Oh wait, um, no, maybe that's maybe that's Prurient. It's one of those kind of arty noise bands. Let me see. No, I'm almost certain it's Prurient. My bad. It's just the same okay. era of my life. I conflated it. It's a Dominic oh. Fernow project. Let's see. So, uh, back in the day, I mean, they are still around. Uh, there is a Brazilian, I think, project called Zargoff. Um, they're still around. They do kind of... Uh, nowadays, they do more prog stuff. But just recently, uh, someone turned me on to an old EP of theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from back in, like... I want to say like early 2000s or something. Um, but it's just fucking phenomenal. Uh, synth-laden South American black metal. I would say this is one of the only other things that makes me feel like, oh, this is from the rainforest or something. This is Sick. very unique. So we'll go with uh, the first track off their uh, their first EP. And this is called Beyond the Dark Gates of My Promised Fortress. So, Hell Yeah. It sounds pretty sick, doesn't it? <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's give that a listen. And uh, hey, to everybody listening and everybody new, um, thanks so much for listening to the show. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Peace. <laughs>